Welcome. We'll let the middle school girls get seated. Wouldn't want to start without you. Everything okay, Maddie's? Uh huh. All right. Uh, welcome. Good to have you here. My name's Kyle. I work at Real Life, and Real Life exists to help people who are far from God find real life in Christ. So we take that real seriously. We're in the middle of this um, series we're calling Take a Leap, and it's like uh, cheers to 10 years of real life because we've celebrated our birthday slash anniversary. Uh, if you were at the Palooza this um, last Sunday, just give a whoop whoop like that. All right, we're going to talk about more, more about that later. Um, uh, we got some special surprises. In fact, the whole day is full of surprises. So um, we want you to stay after. We're going to talk about, now listen, the whole service this morning is how much better life is when you're in a team of people in a small group, all right? So we're going to try to reinforce that in every single way. Afterwards, we want you to stick around. If you are in a small group, stick around, all right? If you want to be in a small group, stick around. If uh, you've been in a small group in the past and hate small groups, stick around, all right? And here's the reason. A, there's hamburgers. You can eat. You and your family can eat free, all right? That's a good reason to stick around. But besides that, uh, we're just going to celebrate uh, real life groups and what's going on in them. And there is a place for you, and I'm guaranteeing you, life is better when you're in a small group, all right? Uh, that's where we're headed. Again, we're going to drop a, a few different surprises on you as we move ahead, but thanks so much for being here. Let's pray as we get going. Uh, God, thanks so much that uh, you provide what we need when we need it, that you provide people in our lives that uh, can make life better and encourage us, and we ask that uh, that would happen for all of us, and you'd make us all encouragers back Thanks for this time. Um, thanks for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's try that again. What I love about real life is, well, lots of things. Uh, the thing I love about real life is that it is very simple. I love that it's just so open to everybody and everything. I love the community at Real Life. I love the community at Real Life. The authentic connection that we have had. I love volunteering at Real Life because it's super easy to get involved. I have only been going for a couple months, but it's been really easy for me to find community and get connected with people. I feel uh, welcomed and encouraged to learn more about Jesus and his life and to share that with others. I believe that people should go to real life because it's just a really good church and, I mean, there's no harm in checking it out. You know, if they're, if they're looking for a church home where they can really belong. It's really easy to find a community and find people to do life with. If you're looking to deepen your faith or meet some other open-minded people, you should check out real life. I just wanted to thank the Real Life staff, Billy, Kyle, uh, Graham. You guys are all just fantastic. <laughs> Kyle and Graham, we go back a long way. Kyle and Graham, they give so much time to Real Life. Um, thank you for the work you're doing. Graham has been an awesome inspiration for us kids. You guys do an amazing service in the community here. Great job. Uh, I think the first 10 years has been pretty great, and I'm looking, uh, looking very much forward to the second 10 years. So keep up the good work, guys. My name is Luke Wall. My name is Tyler Allen. My name is Noah Compton. My name is Steve Simmons. My name is Marcia Mullet. I'm Bruce Todd. And I'm Kim Todd. My name is Hilary Richmond. My name is Carlos. My name is Macy. And cheers. 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 Cheers to 10 years. Cheers to 10 years. Cheers to 10 years of real life. 10 years of real life. See ya. Love ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome to everybody. Uh, if you're online and tuning in, uh, thanks for joining us, Mom. Uh, my mom watches every week from Iowa. Uh, Brewster, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we had a good time with you at the Palooza. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Last Sunday, thanks for tuning in, and Billy and Joyce and everybody, everything you do there. And if you showed up in Chelan, thank you so much for being here because everyone knows that the last two weeks of September are the best weeks of summer in Chelan. Who's with me? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're clapping for it. Yes, it's so true. Um, all right. Uh, we, we're in this Take a Leap uh, series because we wanted to talk about 10 years ago when we started and how we got to where we are. And so way back when, we jumped, all right? We decided to take a leap. It was, um, um, and here's why we jumped. Um, my wife and I and um, three other couples decided, you know what, let's start a church for people who don't like church and let's do that in Chelan. And that is why we, that's why we jumped. And the reason was that we talk about every single Sunday, both here and in Brewster, is we want to help people who fell far from God or were far from God find real life in Christ. And we didn't feel that there was enough places to do that, that that, that leap was too far to go from sitting on your couch on a Sunday morning not knowing anything about God to being involved in a church that leap was too far. So we decided to plan a Sunday morning service, uh, and this is how we did it. This is where we landed once we jumped. There's these three pillars that real life kind of sits on. The one is Sunday mornings that you experience. If you're here, if you're here for the first time, thanks for being here. If you've been here before, haven't been here in a while, thanks for being here. But we design, we program, we plan the music, everything we do with the fact that we want Sunday mornings to be a church for people who don't like church. Now, if you do like church, we still have a place for you here, all right? Because if you like church, like any church, anywhere, we want you here because we want you to invite other people who don't like church and bring them back here, all right? I just think real life's the best place to invite people who have never been to church before or haven't been in a long time. And it's real easy because you say, hey, why don't you come to my church? And they'll say, well, I don't like church. And you say, perfect. I go to a church for people who don't like church. It's pretty simple. Like, I don't like organized religion. Oh, man. Real life's so unorganized, you're going to love them, all right? <laughs> so I just think this is a great place to invite people. They won't be attacked. They won't be embarrassed. It's just, that's what we do every Sunday morning. The other thing we decided, one of the pillars was, uh, we call community impact. That we want to have um, a, a mission in the community that where we want to meet needs with no strings attached. That we don't care if you come to real life or not. We want to go find the needs in the community from schools to people. That's why we support um, Thrive and, and, and uh, uh, um, Slam Valley Hope. And we, we want to be involved in the community, not going to wait for people to come with our needs. We want to kick the doors open and find those needs. All right? Now, as part of that, um, about five, six years ago, we decided that we would start a conversation about having a building. That being here at, in, the, in the school in Chelan wasn't going to be a long-term commitment for us. That wasn't going to work long-term, so we decided to start a building. So my friend Ben Williams, who I think is appearing on stage now, there he is. Um, you can use that mic, Ben. You can take up. Ben and his wife, April, along with Stephen Kaylee Simmons, real life wouldn't exist without him. In the early days, when we had just a conversation, um, they, then the Simmons said, whatever you need done, let's do it. I remember the first time that Ben and I sat down, we, we, we barely had announced we were going to do this thing. And I didn't know what I was doing. He knew I didn't know what I was doing. And he put down, because this is who he is, he put down a spreadsheet of finances. And this is how this is going to happen. This, and year one, this is gonna, year five, whenever. And, and I remember looking at, at him, like I do so many times, as he was an elder for six years, and I said, okay, Ben, explain it to me like I'm a 10-year-old. And he did again, okay, how about a second grader? So I understood it. And I remember him putting down, I don't know what the fancy financial word is, estimations for what the future looked like financially. And I said, Ben, there is no way. We don't have any money now. How are we going to have money in the future? And he had a vision for what we could be, and he kept us on track to get us here. Now, it's also his fault that we sat around my table going to plan a how to build a church building. And after about two or three meetings, Ben said, Ben was the voice of reason as usual. He said, why would we be building a building for our church when the mission of real life has always been about meeting needs in the community? And that changed the direction of where we were headed. And that group said, okay, let's build something that will benefit everybody. Gym space, meeting space, um, exercise space, wellness space, all that stuff. So that put us on 
a mission to build the community center at Lake Chelan. If you were at the Palooza, Palooza, uh, if you don't know what the Palooza is, like you're new, maybe you're visiting from Linden, and you don't know what the Palooza is, the Palooza is like once a year or so, we gather everybody and anybody, and we just celebrate, all right? If, if you were at the Palooza, whether in Brewster or Chelan, just give me a whoop, whoop. All right. You found out that the theme of this year's Palooza was bring your kids and let them have a good time, and you come stand in line. And we accomplished... We accomplished our mission, all right? Because what happened, if you weren't there, uh, um, we had way too many people, which is a good thing, right? We had a lot of people show up. Brewster, you came out in droves, all right? Thank you so much, Brewster. Uh, We had lots of people. And then we had a couple food trucks, and they, they were able to get all 250 of us through there in about two hours and 15 minutes. So, um, that, that, that was good. What we had planned at the Palooza was to bring um, the Honorable Ben Williams up and have him give us an update about the community center, where we are, and where we're headed. Um, about an hour into the Palooza, I went to him and I said, Ben, we got no program. Because unless you want to walk through the lines sharing your story, uh, this is what we got. So I asked Ben to come and share This will catch us all up. If you have questions, you can write them out on your blue cards or whatever, or you can get a hold of Ben and I. Uh, But uh, Ben, Ben, listen, Ben gets paid no money whatsoever to do what he does. He heads up the Seven Acres Foundation. He has put hours and hours and hours and hours and hours into this thing. Um, He is a voice of positive reason as well as um, logistical reason. And so I wanted him to come share exactly what's going on and where we're headed. Let's welcome Ben Williams. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. The um, uh, brief history of the project, um, we started out with this vision for um, this, this building that was going to be kind of a, a tangible amenity in our community with no strings attached. It was all... Um, just totally enmeshed with with the values of real life and, and what we're doing within the community. Um, so that was a vision, and we had uh, at the time plans for about a 26,000 square foot building. We were talking to other partner organizations. Um, I was advocating for creating a separate secular 501c3 that would be the legal entity that would that would do the building and all the fundraising and everything and the. The value of that is that oftentimes, um, well, not oftentimes, all the time, uh, secular nonprofits can get access to funding that churches sometimes can't. So um, the way we structured it was making real life the, the, um, the anchor tenant of this facility to run all the real life programs out of. Um, and so I, I have to say that um, the Seven Acres Foundation is a great organization with an amazing board and some incredible people. Um, but really, this this was birthed as as, as a real life um, uh, activity and endeavor. So, um, twenty six thousand square foot facility, um, and originally our our construction budget was about ten million dollars. Uh, and then uh, two things happened. One, uh, COVID uh, hit, and with the cost of materials and um, the cost of subcontractors and all the the stuff happening and kind of the macroeconomic stuff and um, and what was happening here in the valley with the construction, um, that $10 million project became a $20 million project. Um, <laughs> a bigger number is not necessarily better in this case. Um, so uh, that was the first thing that happened. But the second thing that happened was that when we sort of collectively cast this vision for um, for what the community center could be, we had a a bunch of really great partner organizations that that kind of came out of the woodwork and said, we want to be part of it, we want to be part of it, we want to be part of it. Um, Groups like uh, Only Seven Seconds, um, uh, Special Olympics of Washington State, um, BFIT, Thrive Coffee, um, the Brave Warrior Project, um, any any of these groups that are are kind of standing alongside us, we're all kind of moving in the same direction with, with similar values. Um, and so we're going to have all these tenants in the building that um, that we all kind of collectively support one another, um, and and I can say that that all these organizations are are very much in line with our values here at Real Life. 
Um, so that 26,000 square foot building became a 44,000 square foot building on a uh, uh, $20 million construction budget. So that is where we came from. Um, where we're at right now is um, of the $10 million in our original budget, um, we, have, we have spent four and total um, funds raised or committed funds um, from the federal, state level, and um, private uh, donors, and then uh, a lot of private foundations and nonprofits. Uh, we have raised $15 million. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's worth a clap. Uh, so, so that being said, $15 million on a $20 million budget. We still have about a $5 million shortfall. Uh, we have room in our um, forecast slash pro forma for about uh, a couple million dollars in long-term debt if it's, if it's necessary. Um, but um, we, we do still have a funding gap to cover. So... Um, the, the good news, and I'll just wrap this up by sharing the good news, is that this week um, we are going to close on a construction loan for $6.5 million, which will keep the project going. Um, and um, the surge in activity on, the, on site in the coming weeks will be very evident. Um, for a while there, we're getting a lot of questions like, why are the weeds so tall? Or why is nothing happening? Why do I only see two guys working on site? Um, all valid questions, um, but um, at this point, the, the bridge financing uh, took us over a year to obtain because in today's commercial lending environment, banks don't like to lend to nonprofits, and they also don't like to lend on projects that aren't a turnkey income-producing operation. So um, to get to this point where we are going to have the funds on this, um, it's basically a construction line of credit, um, this will keep the project moving. We intend to be uh, buttoned up by winter and can start working on some of the interior finishings that um, in hopes that we can open by next summer is still our, our planned opening date. So uh, massive news. Um, this, this is a massive blessing. Um, so uh, to get to this point where things are going to suddenly turn a huge corner and suddenly... Um, you know, it's really going to be, um, you know, kicking off in the next in the next couple weeks, and the, you know, we'll have cranes on site. The all the steel structure, the whole the whole building, all the materials are already on site. So um, it's going to happen fast. So that's uh, that's where we're at. We do need um, we we do have a funding gap we have to cover, and we're going to be pursuing lots of different opportunities for that. But uh, but just want to share that things are are moving in a really outstanding direction. Thanks. Did we mention the pool? <laughs> yeah, someone came forward early and said, we'll give you a million dollars and put a pool in. And we said, okay. So, uh, I, listen, I know it seems overwhelming. I sit at the board meetings. I'm just the eye candy at the board meetings. I don't understand the fiscal stuff. I learned what fiduciary means. I don't, I, I'm just, but listen, this is going to, this going to happen. And I know some of you have been here a while and you're like, yeah, Kyle, you said that four years ago. You said that five years ago. You said a year ago we'd be in there already. I know. Listen, I told you all the time, if I lie up here when I do all the time, I'll tell you. All right. Those weren't lies. I really thought we were going to be in. All right. I had this thing built. Who was with me four years ago for like a million and a half dollars. Well, <laughs> God and COVID changed our direction, and we are excited about what's going to happen. Uh, so thank you for all of you that have participated. If you would like to participate, we would welcome that. If you have questions or comments, listen, if your comments are, you should have done this, okay, thank you. But uh, looking back at this point, that's not going to help, right? Uh, you should have, okay. Um, give us what we should do in the future or how you can partner with us in the future. And let's get this thing built, and let's get in there, and let's make a difference in the community. Listen, the building's just a building. It's a lot of steel. But the building doesn't matter. The building matters because people matter. All right? And that's the reason we're doing what we're doing. All right? So real life exists because of Sunday mornings. That's one of the pillars because of community impact. And the last thing that real life kind of sits on is real life groups. That we think real life groups are super important. 
And because circles are better than rows. Right? You can sit here or in any church in a row. It's fine. But it's not as good as meeting in a circle and doing life together. In the next uh, 20 minutes, I'm going to try to convince you of that. And here's one of the biggest reasons. And whether you're new to church or not, uh, I think this will make sense to us all. Because all of us at one time or another are drifters. Right? We seem to drift away. Uh, we drift away from the good stuff in life. It's not a, you don't wake up in the morning and decide, I think I'll drift away from things that are really positive. It's a slow fade that you don't even recognize at the time. All the good stuff in life. Our tendency is to drift from the good stuff. Like, for example, uh, maybe it's just me. Um, have you ever noticed that if you're exercising regularly, all of a sudden you wake up six months later and say, hey, I quit exercising and I'm 40 pounds heavier. I never got up and said, I think I'll stop going to boot camp and I'll eat more in order to fade away from good health. You don't do that. Uh, uh, exercise and diet and budget. It's like all of a sudden you're like, hey, we don't have any money left. We're, we're, our credit cards are maxed out. How'd that happen? You didn't wake up and say, let's put $20,000 on the credit card today. It was a slow fade. Healthy relationships. Like, man, we used to be so close. What happened? You didn't wake up and say, let's be enemies. It was just slow fade that life got in the way. Time ran out. And you're just like, hey, what, what happened? Good relationships take intention. Good things to, to move you forward in life. It takes attention. It takes a, a plan. That's the same way when it comes to God. And sometimes we kind of like, I hope this God thing happens for me. I hope I understand this Jesus stuff. I hope it just, I wake up one day and I get it. But really, it's a slow fade forward to do that. You have to have some intention. And some of us, and this may be the reason some of you are here, that you faded away from God a while ago. And maybe this is, you're returning from a fade-away time, a drifting time. Or some of you, maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I'm contemplating drifting because I am struggling. The current of life takes us the wrong direction. No one listens to me when I say this. Young couples, have you ever noticed old people? If you're old people, say whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh, now they're exhausted. <laughs> Have you ever noticed you share your wisdom as an almost 60-year-old person and nobody listens? They just look at you like, yeah, that's what old people say. Yeah, you have to say that you're old. I've been saying this forever because it was true for me. Young couples, if you don't, if you don't take control of your life, life will take, take control of you. If you're a young couple and you have little kids, you better get a plan because guess what happens to your four-year-old daughter next week? She leaves for college. That's a smart kid. You know what I'm saying? It goes so fast. And if you don't have a plan, it just all of a sudden, life fades away, and your kids are graduating, and you're like, what happened? I wanted to do this. I had plans for this. I wish we would do this. The current of life, it never moves you to a better stuff. The current of life never uh, makes you eat better. It never makes you exercise more. It never makes you... Uh, uh, Become a, have a servant's heart and meet other people's needs before your own. The current of life moves you in the wrong direction, so you got to have a plan. The key is, I'm going to try to convince you of this, the key is in life, when you take a leap, when you take a big step, the key is not to leap alone. You ready to do this? So ready. Jumping off this cliff represents jumping into our future as adventurers. Count of three. One... Two, three! Bail! <laughs> Honey, what happened? I'm so sorry. I bailed at the last second, uh, but I'm ready now. I promise. All right. Ready? One, two, three! Come on! <laughs> oh, hey, there you are. Uh -huh. Um, I feel like you uh -huh. jumped on two. Oh! Hi, jumping! It's fun. It's really fun. But the point was to do it with you. 
So if that's going to be a problem, no, just... No, I, I definitely want to do it. It's just that I'm having a hard time getting my legs to cooperate. Okay. You're going to have to push me. Are you sure? Yes. Just one hard push, and I'm good. Okay. Here we go! Oh, come on! Now, some of you are sitting there, you're saying, yep, that was my experience in a small group. I was all in and the people around me weren't. Or I was the one trying to encourage someone and they didn't come along. Listen, just, I say this every year just as a disclaimer. If you've been in a small group before or a real life group even before, and it didn't go very well, and your experience wasn't very good, you can't just stop being in small groups. That's like... Uh, my buddy Dave and I uh, were traveling to uh, Boise one time, and we were driving through, and we stopped in Baker City, and it was early. So we go in to get breakfast, and we both order breakfast, and the waitress says, you know what, you guys? The chicken fried steak is the best thing on the menu. So we order chicken fried steak. When it came, and this is a quote from Dave, it was so bad, he would have rather ate my Birkenstock sandal, because that would have been more tender than the chicken fried steak. Right Now, it was bad. It was the worst food I've ever had at a restaurant. Do you think we quit going back to restaurants? No, we quit going back to that restaurant. <laughs> but you just don't stop going to restaurants because you had one bad experience in Baker City, Oregon. Right? Listen, if you've had a bad experience, jump back in. Jump back in. If you need us to push it, we'll push you. Because if you're in a, a, a small group, if you're doing life together, if you're not jumping alone, the chances of you moving forward in a positive direction where you want to go are high. And the chance of you drifting away and, uh, uh, from all the good stuff is low. Let me give you a couple more points. This has been going on a long, long time. In the New Testament, Jesus shows up. He does this thing. He predicts his own death. And resurrection, he pulls it off. And then he gives a kind of a marching orders to everyone who wants to follow him, saying, get out there and tell everybody about the hope and love and, 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 and for this life and the life to come if you're connected in a relationship with Jesus. So people did that. But there's a group of people who, they were Jewish, but they were followers of Jesus. And uh, uh, we don't know who the writer is, but he sat down to write a letter to say, you guys, don't give up. I know it looks like things are better, but let me give you, I want to write a bunch of things that Jesus is better than that. Jesus is enough. Uh, whatever you need, it's Jesus. Because they were tempted to go back. They were tempted to drift away. In fact, some of them had drifted a slow fade already. And he says this to them in Hebrews chapter 3. He says this, see to it, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, right away, there's something that doesn't make sense there. Who would turn away from the living God? Who would do that? Who in their right mind would see God Almighty, the creator of the universe, living God, active in your life, who would turn away from him? The answer is I would. You would. Some of us who call ourselves, call ourselves followers of Jesus, we've had moments like that. Whether it was a college or on a business trip or I was so stressed out or I was so angry or I went through a string of bad luck and I just gave up or I went through a string of good luck and I didn't need God, but something happened. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, don't do it. Don't give up. I know it's tempting. I know sometimes other stuff looks better, but don't turn away from the almighty living God because he has something for you. He proved his love for you through Jesus, and now he has something for you in this life and in the one to come. And here's what I love about this verse. It's plural. He says, see to it, brothers and sisters. He, he's saying, see to it, you all. You all take care. You all look out for each other. You all need to be seeing about each other. You need to check up and check in. 
And we don't want everybody in the world to check up and check in on us, but we do need a handful of people, people we trust, people who we know care about us and we care about them, that are seeing about us. Listen, this is life to me, personally. When we first started Real Life, um, uh, I decided I had no credibility whatsoever. So immediately I got some old people to be on the elder board, all right? Um, uh, And then I decided we should put together a pastor accountability team. So once a month, I would meet with a couple guys in case I ever started fading away or I started doing stupid stuff, that they would be all about checking in with me, that they would check in and they would check up. They would ask the questions that need to have asked, like all questions from like, are you doing anything stupid to how you feeling? Are you okay? So that's take some different uh, generations, but currently uh, T.J. Rogers and Jerry Lopez and I meet once a month. They have the freedom to ask me any questions at all. If they see any concerns, they're under obligation to report back to the elders to say, I think Kyle's kind of depressed and needs some help. Or I think Kyle's making some dumb decisions and that maybe we should check in a little further. It was just a way to say, uh, to, to put some guardrails around my life so I didn't get too close to the edge of life. I'm telling those guys are the best. We meet way too early because they have real jobs. We meet like at 545, 550. It's the best. To know that somebody's waiting for me every month and cares about what's going on in my life makes life better. And guess what? Makes me accountable that when I just think that I want to fade away or want to do something stupid, I know I'm going to have to come back and explain it to them. I have another group of guys, uh, my buddy Ken and my buddy Dave, who we're not in a formal group, but when I call them up or I text them and I say, hey, let's meet in Dave's uh, shop tonight. Let's get together. We haven't got together in a while. They know, uh uh-oh, something's going on with Kyle. That the safety of that old decrepit shop in the winter, spring, summer, we have shared um, each other's weight and burden of life so many times. Very important to me. Then I have this couples group um, that, man, Darlene and I have been involved in it for, I don't even know, five, six, I don't even know how long it's been. It's life to us. When we find ourselves empty nesters and we sit around and stare at each other and we're like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Well, I guess we can go to Walmart. Well, we've done that the last three nights. What, I mean, we, we can't keep going to Walmart. <laughs> that has brought life. It, it just, there's instruction and some marriage stuff going on there. We eat together. We, ha- we have fun together. We plan different events together. It, it's really life. And then I got this other young married group that we started last year. It's really good. But again, they're all young. So when I say, hey, you kids, you should listen. They're like, yeah, okay, old bald guy. They don't listen. But it's really fun having them in our house. Listen. There's no hypocrisy here. I got, I got a lot of issues. That's not one of them. Small groups are life, our life to me, our life to my wife and I, and it has been the thing that buoyed us up. Even when we struggled in our marriage, we've had people, uh, individuals, and groups in our life that helped us through it. Because here's what happens, you guys. The drift begins within. Something starts happening in our heart. We start having questions. We start having concerns. And no one else can see it. You don't gain access into somebody's heart and soul sitting here in rows in the Shalam Pack. No one up in the Quad Cities knows what's going on inside your heart when you sit in the middle school gym in Brewster. That happens in a circle. Just so you remember, I made it rhyme. A drifting heart doesn't show in a row. You don't know what's going on. That's why you got to gather in a small group. Whether you're struggling in your marriage, and you're like, man, I, I think I'm done. Whether you're struggling in your job, where you're struggling, maybe it's some sin that's dominating you. And that struggle's going on within, and there's nobody to talk to. I can't tell you the first five years of my marriage with Darlene. We struggled. The first year was horrible. And we had... We felt we had no one to talk to. There was no place to go and share what's going on. There's no place to be honest. For the longest time, that was true. No one likes a messed up pastor and his wife. We all supposed to have it together. 
You know what? All the groups I belong to, I can say, man, my marriage is going crappy. And most of the people, <laughs> starting with my pastor accountability team and my buddy Ken and Dave, they'd say, tell us about it. And immediately they're like, yeah, you're wrong, Kyle. Like, come on, man, Darlene's a jerk. Nope, nope. It's you. The drifting solution is to leap together. The writer of Hebrews goes on, and he says this. Instead of drifting away, instead of turning away from the living God, do this. Encourage one another. You're like, can I be just encouraged by God in my relationship with Jesus? Can I just be encouraged by coming to church? Yeah, a little bit. The New Testament is full of one another's. You can't one another on your own. I'm going to be kind to one another. Who are you going to hang out with? Just myself. That's impossible. All the one another's in the Bible, love one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, they all happen in context of relationship. And this word isn't encouraged like, like an assistant coach, which is the best job in the world because you don't have any responsibility and you're just a good guy. This isn't like, hey, good game. Yeah, you'll get him next time. The word encouraged there that the writer of Hebrew uses, the Greek word means to appeal to, exhort, beg, urge strongly, entreat. I mean, it's a passionate thing. He says, encourage one another, go the extra mile, make time for, sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. And that happens in a small group. Every time you decide to show up and you give two hours of your week to your small group, you're making a difference. Just you showing up, you are appealing and exhorting and urging strongly and begging, imploring and entreating people to be there. You're like, I didn't even know. I just was showing up for the food. Yeah. Just your presence. Let alone when someone's going through something and you can sit there and say, I know how that feels. We're with you guys. When your small group gets to the place that says, when someone's discouraged and going through something and you say, hey, we're going to get through this together. And they're like, I don't know if we are. And then you say something like this. We're going to believe it for the both of us until you're ready to believe it on your own. That's a small group. That's what encouragement looks like. And that's what you need, and that's what you need to be a part of. The writer of Hebrew keeps going. He says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. I love this. How often should you be encouraging people? Daily. Only the days that end in Y. You know what I'm saying? It's like this is so redundant. How often should we encourage people daily? Well, how, how often? Well, as long as it's called today, if you wake up and it's today, you should be encouraging people. It's kind of a smart aleck statement. Get on with it. You're going to be better for it. Your family's going to be better for it. People around you are going to be better for it when you decide to encourage and invest in other people instead of just yourself. It's a payback, payment, good back to you. He keeps going. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that, purpose statement, none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, we look at sin like their activities. The New Testament writers looked at sin like it's a person. They personified it. That it's like this burglar, this thief sneaking in. And sin, like a person, gets in and gets in your world and gets in your life. It can lure you and help you and force you to drift away. But when you are with a group of people, people who are seeing about you, people who are checking in and checking up, the power of that sinful, that, that personified sin lessens. Because sin comes in and he, he's ready to just make noise and, and, and kick a fuss up. When you're surrounded by people, they're like, not today, Satan, not here. It's not just me. i got a group of people around me who are checking up and checking in. The best defense against you deceiving yourself, I love this, we is the best defense against the deceitfulness of you. If you think I'm picking on you, you're crazy. We are all so capable. I'm so capable of having my brain tell me stuff that's not true. That lures me away. Listen, here's a good question. What have you been telling yourself these days? Just you talking. What are you telling yourself? You're not good enough. 
Spouse isn't good enough. Not sure if God's real. Not sure if God cares. You'd be happier with a, a different boyfriend, girlfriend, different spouse. Can't wait till your kids leave and go to college. Don't have enough time for church. I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to create things for you. What do you. What's the stuff you've been telling yourself? Because all that struggle is within. So what, do you, what, have, you been, what have you been saying to yourself? And get this. What are you telling yourself these days that if you were to tell someone else, they would think you lost your mind? Man, the power of that stuff that's going on inside our head, when we say it out loud to somebody else, all of a sudden, almost in the speaking of it, we gain clarity. Almost in the saying of it, does it its power just goes away. When we say it out loud, we begin to see how crazy it is. When we receive input from other people, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe just because I'm thinking of it doesn't make it true. Maybe I need other input in my life. Maybe I need some good voices in my life. Just one other voice will break that power. So let's summarize this thing. The drift begins within, so let someone in. Yep, that rhymes. You can make a tattoo out of it. You can do whatever you want. The drift begins within. Listen, everything. I've been down this road, my own self. I've been down this road with my extended family. Everything happens inside. You are planning. You're like, I deserve this thing. Why do I have to do the right thing all the time? Why can't I just enjoy my... And all that stuff starts... And the drift is inside. And pretty soon, you find yourself in a place you never intended to be. That's difficult to do when you're honest with a group of people right around you. Listen, if you don't intend to abandon the whole thing, whether that's your marriage or your faith, if you don't intend to abandon the whole thing, then you got to pay attention to the little stuff, you guys. Those little thoughts that keep coming up, the distractions. Someone else can see what you can't see. Have you ever had a friend? They're making a decision whether to spend money on something, change jobs, date somebody, marriage something. And they're like, this is what I'm going to do. And you're like, you know, you can see. You're like, that ain't not, that's not going to go well for you. That is not a good idea. And they're like, I, I'm, listen, I do this for a living. Listen to people's bad, bad ideas. And say, yeah, Pastor, that's what I'm going to do. And, and, and so I just, could you pray for, for us and could you pray for me? Can I like to get your blessing? And I'm like, dude, not only am I going to get a blessing, I'm not going to give you a blessing. I'm going to give you a scolding. That's a bad idea. And the look on their face is just shock. Like, they weren't trying to be evil. They weren't trying to be lured by sin's deceitfulness. They just got themselves in a place where their brain told them this is a good decision. And I'm able to say, listen, I've seen that decision made by other people. This is how it looks. This is the end result, and I don't think that's what you want. Someone else can see. One last summary point. This is a big one to me. Imagine the difference. Imagine the difference your life would have looked like if your parents had been in a small group with people who were checking up and checking in. When their relationship broke down and, and they got off track, can you imagine if there's somebody that had come alongside them that they're already in relationship with that said, hey, listen, you guys, that's a bad decision. That someone's checking in with your dad. That someone was supporting your mom. What about you? Can you imagine the difference that one weekend in college or that one time a few years ago where you got way off track and there was nobody there to say, hey, listen, let's get back on track. Let's do this together. Those of you that have been through pain and disappointment and hurt, caused by other people. Can you imagine the difference if the, those people would have had a caring group of people who were checking up and checking in? It would have made a world of difference. Uh, uh, every time I talk about real life groups, I got to stop and say this. The difference that small groups have made for me and my wife has been great. This, the difference small groups have made in my daughter's life have been, uh, I can't put a price tag on that whatsoever. When they were in high school, they had people who cared about them. May Broom looked out for my oldest daughter, Aubrey, and Sarah Barnes, God bless her, tried to look out for my youngest daughter, Olivia. 
Listen, I, I can't imagine the difference that those people made in my daughter's lives. I know this sounds harsh. Parents, if you're parents of middle school and high schools, you better get them in a small group with caring adults. Because you think, oh, they're going to listen to me forever. No, they quit listening to you a long time ago. And they're going to listen to somebody. And you better make sure it's caring adults, uh, part of our youth program or somebody else. Get them involved in a small group, and you can get that done here at Real Life. So, three next steps. I think they're obvious. Uh, the next steps are listed on the blue card. The blue card is where we do everything. We want communication. Uh, uh, you can get your questions answered, your prayer requests taken care of. All that stuff happens on the blue card. Um, the next steps are on there as well. The first next step is this. Stay today. This really takes hardly any effort. Stay today and check out the real-life group options. Right out here. You're like, ah, oh, I hate like real-life groups. Yeah, but you like hamburgers, so stick around. All right? Uh, you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm keto. Well, you don't have to eat the bread. All right? We'll just throw burgers at you. Just stick around. All right? Listen, we're going to, do you know, I didn't, do you know that we have over 35 real-life groups, probably pushing 40, between Brewster and Land, we have about 40 real-life groups that meet on a regular basis. That's a ton. That represents pushing 200 people. We said from day one that our goal at Real Life is to have everyone who attends Real Life to be in a small group. So that's, that, that will never happen, right? Because that number keeps changing because people keep coming. But when I sat down with Sarah and she, she showed me all the groups that are meeting, all the people that are involved, I'm just overwhelmed. That is good news, you guys. So afterwards, stick around because those of you in a small group, we need you to be out there. Celebrate your small group. It's made a difference in you. If your small group isn't making a difference... Get your small group changing. You make a difference in it. All right? Stick around. Two, invite someone to leap with you. I love this. A few months ago, we had a newcomers event at uh, Sigilo, Siglio, Siglio, the old, um, the old uh, Lakeside School. So we had a newcomers event that Sarah and her team put on, and so we've done a few of them. Sarah does a good job with them. So new people showed up. Well, um, uh, Dave Weitzel finds himself at this uh, newcomer's event. He's a newcomer, right? They're kind of snowbirds. And he and his wife are at this event, and, and he, he sent me a, an email just, a, just last week, I think. He said, hey, I just want you to know what happened, because I didn't know the outcome. At this event, <laughs> there was a bunch of newcomers about their same place in life, about the same age, and they all said, hey, let's start a, let's start a small group. Right here with us newcomers. We don't know each other. We're all new. Let's start a small group. And Dave's like, yeah, great idea. And then they look at Dave and say, Dave, you should lead it. And outwards, Dave's like, and inwards, Dave's like, no way. He started sweating. And, and you know how you get just like, what did I do? And he, like, I'm, he tried to go to the Nazarene church, and they wouldn't let him in. I mean, he, <laughs> he tried to do everything to get out of it. His report after meeting with that group, he said, it couldn't have been a better experience. It was fantastic that God used that group to meet the needs of that group. God used that group to show Dave, if you just show up, God does this thing. Some of you are here this morning and like, hey, I want to be in a small group. And you're going to get out there and you're like, there's no small group that really fits of the new ones. We got about eight or so that we're starting brand new to add on the 30 or 40 that we have. Listen, maybe it's your time just to start. And, you're like, and some of you just got all sweaty and like, I can't lead a group. You sure can. We got curriculum for you. We, we got... What? That reminds me, there's mimosas outside. It's like Ashton got in the communion wine. Uh, sorry, Brewster. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, we'll provide you some curriculum. We'll get you a video. You watch a video. You, you answer some questions. You can do sermon discussion. I don't know why you would. You come and listen to the sermon. Then you meet in a group and discuss it. I wouldn't do that, but lots of people do. It's so much deeper. Megan, Pastor Megan uh, makes a sermon discussion guide. It goes so much deeper than what this does. It's really, I'm, I'm, I'm not soft selling it. It's really easy. But 
it does take a big decision, and you, you decide. Okay, I'm going to do it even though I don't have all the answers. Finally, make the decision to leap toward Jesus. You're here and like, man, small groups are so far from where I'm at. I just showed up today. I don't know what's going on at all. I tuned in because someone said, hey, get on your computer and listen to this, or maybe someone in Brewster said, come on in. Listen, it all starts with Jesus. Jesus shows up and he says, listen, the deceitfulness of sin has put this huge barrier between you and God, the living God. And Jesus shows up and says, that's not good. So Jesus gives his life to make a way for you and I to have a relationship with God through Jesus. Maybe that's your place this morning. Now, as the PowerPoint operator was so excited to get to, we have used this uh, cl- uh, clip art, which I'm not supposed to do anymore because it's, it's cheesy. Um, but I watch Cobra Kai every, every time it's on, too, and that's cheesy. So um, have you seen the last episode of this season? Oh, calm down. All right. Uh, uh. Here we go. All of us stand on the edge of a cliff, and we wonder, how am I ever going to get across there? I can't start a small group. I can't be in a small group. I'm scared to death to move towards Jesus. It's so weird. Religion is so weird. People are going to think I'm so crazy. At some point, you guys, you got to jump. You got to leap. And I'm telling you, and why should you trust me? I don't know, but I've been at this a long time. You can leap knowing that even if you don't leap well, even if you end up in a group that's not perfect, even if you don't understand everything, you can believe something because Jesus is going to catch it. There's a safety net there. When you connect with Jesus, you are on your way to living the life you were always created and probably the life you've always wanted to live. When you connect with Jesus and other people that are trying to move in a direction towards knowing Jesus as well, you found what life is all about. I'm going to turn the service back over to Billy. Uh, Man, Brewster, stick around because there's a lot happening. There's giveaways and all kinds of things in small groups and volunteer signups. I think you guys are having hamburgers too. Have a great Sunday in Brewster. Thank you, Billy. Let's pray together. God, thanks. Thanks for the people in our lives. Thanks for the people in my life, God, that have made me a better person, that have made life better for me, especially when I was messing it up or it messed up in my life. God, I ask that you make us be those people that would be encouragers, that would show up for other people. God, I ask that that would happen in a small group. God, I pray that everyone listening, everyone who's been attending, would find a place in a circle instead of just a row so they can benefit, uh, move ahead, and avoid the deceitfulness and the slow drift of sin. God, uh, I ask that you would make a way for all of us to be involved in that kind of relationship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Please, please stick around. Have a great, great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.